Hello and welcome. Dr. Ashley Smith here, creator of Glimmer, a social movement working to better support fellow women and their families who have suffered pregnancy and baby loss. Having lived the anguish, agony, rage and sorrow of losing my daughter Isla to neonatal death last year, and rather ironically working as a doctor in obstetrics, I have a unique perspective and desire for this tragedy to be managed with compassion, connection and gentleness. Through interviewing a diverse range of individuals personally impacted by baby loss, you and I are going to uncover insights and knowledge that will help navigate the long journey ahead. Don't let the darkness swallow you. You are not alone. May you find peace. May you find connection. And may you find a glimmer of hope. Reminder. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the individual and do not represent their employer or medical advice. Always consult your doctor. I've had a number of people write to me via Glimmer seeking support in an episode acknowledging and discussing the grandparents' perspective. Today I'm joined by Joy Hall, who is Grandma Tamali, mother of Chloe, and we're going to get started in this episode. So thank you so much. Joy, can you tell me about Marley? She would be one, wouldn't she? Yes. She was born on the 6th of February 2020. We had her birthday just recently, a few weeks ago. She died on the day she was, Chloe was being induced, the morning, and Chloe knew something was wrong. They went to the hospital at the time that they were due to go to be induced, had the ultrasound and found out that she passed away that morning. It was just a complete tragedy, absolute tragedy. And that timing is really cruel. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was 41 and a half weeks, so she'd gone the full, the full term with everything being completely normal. Uh, she'd seen the, the doctor on the Monday and this was on the Wednesday. Uh, so, you know, we, we had no indication that anything at all was wrong. And where were you at this time? Chloe and Steve were in Melbourne and we live in Stanley, which is about three, four hours from, from where they are in Melbourne, um, in northeastern Victoria. We knew it was all going to happen and we were just killing time basically waiting to hear get the call to come down and, uh, yeah, it was just a massive, massive shock, horrendous, absolutely. Steve rang us, God bless him. My husband, he doesn't know how he managed to make those calls. It's very hard. Is Marley your first grandchild? Yes, yes. We were so excited. <laughs> And did you get to meet her? Yes, we did. It was one of the most precious experiences that I've ever had and I'm very, very thankful that we were able to do that. But it was absolutely heartbreaking, literally just heartbreaking to meet Marley. 
I was so proud of Chloe and Steve, the way they they showed the love that was there for Marley and the way that they were so proud of her and how they conducted themselves in managing everyone, all of us. It was just incredible. She was the perfect little girl, absolutely perfect. We weren't allowed to pick her up, but we could touch her and because all I wanted to do was to pick her up and hold her. But because she was so fragile, we, she was in her, in her crib. We could touch her face and I've got that memory of a beautiful soft skin and we could sort of very gently put our arms around her and touch her that way. So we were privileged to be able to do that and we've got the memory the memory of that, of her. But I just could hardly bear the pain that I felt for them and um, what they were going through. But we were able to, when, when we saw her, despite everything, you know, we, we looked at her and we saw her likenesses and how big her hands were, you know, all those things, that the characteristics that she had and we'll always have those, those memories. And then as those early days went by, Joy, were you able to spend time with Chloe and Steve or how did that sort of pan out for your family? Yes, we, we did spend time with them. We stayed in Melbourne for, um, I think I stayed down there for about 10 days. We had a, a memorial gathering for her. We did our best. You just sort of get through it all. It's difficult to know what to do and how to do it and everything, but we were there for each other as best we could be. Chloe and Steve went away for a little while after the memorial service and we came back home. Then corona hit big time. So we were a bit limited in what we could do, but we're able to get special permission to go down to Melbourne and spend a bit of time for, you know, caring reasons. But it was hard. It was very hard for them and hard for us to be so, you know, separated. The timeline you're describing is very similar to mine with Isla and the lockdowns and the separation and the fear. It was a really difficult time. Well, I suppose we were in these bubbles and at that time I think it was very hard for Chloe. She couldn't have that normal freedom of perhaps getting the support that she could have had if we hadn't had coronavirus. But she got onto psychologist and they've both had quite a lot of support through Zoom counselling sessions and just step by step she's gradually been able to, you know, start mixing with people and getting a normal social life. But she didn't really want that at the start anyway. She just needed very limited help. She just found the help 
she needed when she needed it, she was able to get it. But what about you, Joy? I probably, I went and got a referral for counselling and then, of course, corona hit and it was just jam-packed and the waiting list was very long and was a bit a bit awkward. So I haven't taken that up myself yet. But I, I found I, I was very lonely at the start, I must admit. It was just really hard to firstly tell people and then people just didn't know how to respond and I just felt they didn't get it for me at all. And I'm not blaming. Stillbirth is just still so taboo, basically. The majority of people that I spoke with had never had any contact or experience with stillbirth. So it was a huge shock for them and it was very difficult to for them to take it on board. But I found, you know, gradually family and friends processed it. I had to give everybody time to process it and then they found their ways of um, helping, helping me and supporting me. But initially it was pretty, it was very raw and I don't know whether it was the right or wrong thing, but I felt I had to tell people I couldn't text it. So I rang people and in doing that they were shell-shocked, did not have a clue how to respond and it was very awkward. Chloe, on the other hand, she said, Mum, you've just got to text. She said, I couldn't speak to anybody. I just have to text everything. So it was just a a different age group. (laughs) So for me, texting is just about, you know, passing on information. It's not really about a lot of conversation. (laughs) She was too precious for me for a text. That's interesting you say that. I think my mum had a similar experience in, yeah, trying to tell those around her and feeling that texting or Facebook or things like that wasn't sort of personal enough. But how difficult to have to call people and have that conversation individually. So after they initially sort of found out and then you sort of said, that they weren't so helpful initially. How did things evolve with loved ones and your friends around you in terms of them supporting you? See, initially people sort of feel often with a death or a tragedy that you need time and they don't want to intrude and want to give you space and all those sorts of feelings. But all I wanted was people to ring me and ask me how I was going. You know, that's all I wanted and I wanted it like, every day, <laughs> daily or more than, you know, just that that up here we had a few visitors but, you know, our big base was in Melbourne. But gradually that need was fulfilled with people realising that this isn't so scary, we can talk about this, it's something Joy needs to talk about it. So gradually there were particular friends who were very helpful and my sisters they were very helpful it just took them time I think to to process 
And how has it been different or difficult for you as the grandparent compared to the parent of the baby that's died? Well, for for the grandparent, your perspective is different. There's there's the, the grief that you feel for the for the loss of your granddaughter or grandchild, but there's there's also the grief and the anguish that you feel for the pain that your child and your daughter and your your son-in-law or their partner are going through. The absolute you just never would ever comprehend that they would have to go through that. And it, for me, that was devastating that they had that pain. I've had, had the experience of raising three healthy children, knowing, you know, what could have been for Chloe and Steve. It was just so hard to, to, to bear that. It was overwhelming for me. And, you know, their grief also has like a multitude of emotions and layers with their friends and and family and how they've been impacted as well. It's just so complex. As a grandparent, I think having had three children, all that that has entailed for them not to have that is just such a tragedy. And as time goes on, I guess you have to hold your grief for Marley in sort of one part of your heart and then that part of your heart for Chloe and Steve and then as they get on this further into this journey of dealing and coping with Marley's loss and their life slowly starts to return to the new normal. Does that then help you along with yours or do you feel like it's different? Oh, no. I can see it now. They're pulling us along. They're going forward. The way they've celebrated the milestones and, and the, the Father's Day, the Mother's Day, the Christmas, we've just had Marley's birthday, they're inspirational. I think as they move forward and basically move forward with their life, that anguish and that absolute overwhelming feeling of what they have had to go through, that will soften and it it is softening. The mourning and the grieving for Marley as our granddaughter, I think that will soften as well, but she will always be our first grandchild and so much a part of our family. This podcast is brought to you by the Stillbirth Foundation Australia, Blue Hearts and The Glimmer Project. The Stillbirth Foundation Australia raises funds to prevent stillbirth through research, education and advocacy, as well as being a support resource for bereaved parents and their networks. Blue Hearts raises funds to support worthy projects like The Glimmer Podcast to prevent and support pregnancy loss in honour of their son, Bluey Ryan and all the babies gone too soon. In addition to financial support, Holly has come on board for season two to help produce this podcast. Finally, I would love to see you join us in the Online Glimmer Program, a gentle, sensitive peer support program 
for mothers of pregnancy or newborn loss run by a specialist bereavement midwife with associated daily meditations and specialised video content. We hope you find value, connection and a sense of community through listening to this podcast. A Glimmer Mum shares her experience. There is a deep, deep fog that I went into and my arms physically ached from how empty they were. I found connecting with a grief and loss counsellor, specialising in baby loss has been incredibly comforting. I've learned that it's okay to not be okay. Have you found particular ways to make a connection with Marley in your own life? We talk about her all the time, you know, well, we mention her and she's always a part of things in her own way. I have contacted the Stillbirth Foundation of Australia and did that quite early and I think that's a way a way of keeping a connection with Marley in that we want to support the foundation particularly for research to try to find ways of preventing or improving the situation around the lack of knowledge around stillbirth. Obviously with my husband we've planted a small vineyard. We have a chestnut farm, chestnut orchard in Stanley. We had an area that we look out from the back of the house that we used as a nursery for baby chestnut trees. We planted all them into the orchard last year and we had this space left I thought, well, let's just let's plant a little vineyard for Marley in her honour. That's a way, you know, I've been working in the vineyard and I've found that quite therapeutic and a way of, of keeping a connection. And she'll, you know, go on giving over the next years. Hopefully we'll have some lovely wine. <laughs> the most beautiful thing, though, that I find and I have found since I've been working in the vineyard is that every time I go out there, it's I'm sure it's not the same butterfly, but the, a butterfly will come and be near me just when I first go into the vineyard and I just sort of I just think, wow, <laughs> that's beautiful. So I'm I'm very lucky to be able to do something like that. So it's just beautiful. So, Joy, how has your relationship with Chloe changed? We've always had a really great relationship. We've always been very close. But at the same time, you know, from a young age, she's wanted to lead her own life. We moved up here when she was 19, 20. We moved up here and I would, or we both commute to Melbourne and she led a fairly independent life. Since Marley's passing, I just haven't had the confidence of being a mother as much as I used to. I haven't had that same confidence about giving advice and just just that general feeling of we're on the same page and things are in sync. I've felt that we've just been a bit out of balance or I've been out of balance because of our lives have just been so shaken up by what's happened 
that we're a bit, you know, wobbly, <laughs> if that's the word. I'm sure that that will, will all fall into, into normal place again and I can see that happening already. I think also, you know, Chloe tried to protect us at times and we've tried to protect her. So when you're in that sort of cycle, you know, you're not always connecting as well as you as you can. I suppose at times I've just felt inadequate and not really uh, fulfilling the role of a mum as well as I have felt that I have done in the past. It's so difficult navigating these relationships. I mean, we felt we'd been in a bubble and then the bubble has just burst and everything has sort of fallen how it's fallen and everyone is trying to pick up the pieces and trying to look after each other and look after themselves and try and move forward and it does make you feel so vulnerable and so I think I've definitely heard through Glimmer all sorts of different reactions but at the end of the day everyone is just really hurting and I guess you as the parent of Chloe feel like you should have the wisdom. Is that part of the thing that you feel inadequate by? Yeah, my background is a physiotherapist and you always feel like, you know, you need to solve the problem. And I couldn't. <laughs> I failed. But And then you feel, you think, well, why did it happen then? Is it something that I did or is it something that I didn't do? Didn't I should have intervened? I should have done this. I should have done that. And, you know, you go through all those emotions of, of why when in actual fact you couldn't have done anything to have prevented it. And it takes you a while to come, come to that. Is there anything else you want to share about your experience that you think is important for the other grandparents listening to hear? Don't be quick to to judge people because they don't know how to deal with it and it takes time and like I've said before, it it's just such a shock for everybody. For me it was ne- wasn't like the death of a parent or an uncle or an auntie or a, your own parents, it was on a different level to that even. The process of everything that you go through is, is, is very different. Try to make contact with people who have had some experience as quickly as possible because I, I think I, I, should have done that. I didn't know where to go and I didn't really, I suppose I was so focused on on Chloe and Steve that I thought I'll, I'll deal with myself later and I sort of put that off and even now I still think that I should go and see somebody. So I suppose don't put it off. Even if you think you're all right, I think getting some professional help or just talking with people that have some experience is important. And the final question, Joy, is what is the one piece of advice or glimmer of hope 
that has helped you in your experience as grandparent to Molly? The advice would be be prepared for the long haul uh, and for a lot of ups and a lot of downs. The harshness, though, of the grief, it does soften over time and now over the 12 months now I'm not having as many of those episodes of anguish and pain in you know right in your in your chest and in your body they are passing and I think when I see Chloe and Steve together and they're moving through with so much dignity and and love for each other and it lifts my husband and I and yeah we see that glimmer of optimism in them and that reflects back on us and Marley she's brought our families together and um, so much love so much love has come out of of uh, her death and she's given that to us well joy i think that the way you have portrayed your experience today validates a lot of grandparents listening in that anguish and that loss and how difficult it has been is the truth of how it is and I really appreciate you coming on to Glimmer today and speaking about this because it is really hard and it is really painful and then there is all this love and holding all of those things together and having this happen in your life, you know, you just wish it never did. So I really appreciate your time and I think a lot of people will feel so much compassion and love for you and for Marley. And we wish Chloe and Steve all the best. Thank you to Blue Hearts and the Stillbirth Foundation Australia for supporting Season 2 of the Glimmer Podcast. To you, dear listener, you and I belong to a most compassionate and supportive community of broken hearts. You're in my thoughts and you are not alone. Alone.